Well, it's good to be with you guys. It really is. And um, <clears throat> how many of you have been with us before? Um, everybody or, who hasn't been with us before, maybe a better. So about half. Okay. Well, we're um, Tom and Susie. I'm Tom. This is Susie, in, in case you were confused. Um, we're from California. And um, we have a ministry. It's us called Wave of Life Ministries. And over the years, <clears throat> we've um, planted churches. We've pastored churches. Uh, we've worked with mission organizations. And uh, for the last 20 plus years, we spent our time traveling around to different churches around the world and doing ministry. Uh, we believe in the fullness of the Spirit, and so we encourage people to walk in the fullness of the Spirit and to, you know, just walk in the, the fullness of everything God has for the church. We like to see the bride become everything she can possibly become. And uh, we were just talking on the way over with Andy and Lynn that, um, you know, Kings is celebrating their 30th this month, and we actually met these guys back like almost 40 years ago uh, when, when uh, Andy's dad was the pastor in Eastbourne. And so we, we met him through a mutual friend named uh, Tony Fitzgerald. Uh, what was it? Abundant Life then, right? Yeah, so it was Abundant Life, and they are meeting in a room about this big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and actually have made lifelong friends from there, you know, in, in that circle. And uh, we've been coming to England since 1978. And, um, uh, in fact, our, our baby at the time was uh, three months old. And we, you know, we, we've been coming almost every six months to a year. And she's every, 40 now. Yeah, she's 40. <clears throat> so it's been a while. That, that, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're, like, we, get, we like to say that we're privileged to get to see what Jesus is doing around the world. Uh, we always tell people we're from the home office. And so when we come, we, we get to bring you information from what's going on there and also get to report back and uh, be able to share with you, you know, the encouragement of what the Holy Spirit's doing and how the Holy Spirit's doing it. And uh, one of the things that's been on our heart this last, just a little bit of season of time, in fact, uh, this is only the second place, uh, well, second location, country, that we've shared it in. And this is this area that the Lord is bringing an awakening to the church and that um, we in our, in our experience right now, we're seeing a lot of people born again. Even today, what was it? It's like 16 people have met the Lord in, at the different campuses today, which is great. You know, I mean, because like Susie said it this morning, that, you know, we're fishing in swimming pools. You know, we can make an altar call here. We're hoping Andy would get saved. But overall, I'm assuming most of you would all be born again, you know. Lynn, keep praying. We're praying. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, we're standing with you on that. But, um you know, so it, for us to see people, that many people born again on a Sunday type idea, you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, when we are doing evangelistic work on the street and stuff like that, that's a different story. But doing what we're doing now, it, it is, you know, kind of a, a neat thing to see happen. But we believe the Lord is calling the church to a, a, an awareness of commitment, awareness to intimacy, and to really come to a place of understanding that this is not a smorgasbord where you go to church and say, oh, I'll take one of those. No, none of that, you know, and, and uh, just kind of make your life uh, palatable for yourself, but actually look at it to become something more efficient for the kingdom of God. I don't know if how many of you are around back in the 70s and 80s when, uh, you know, everyone had your Bible, real Bibles, not you know, electronic ones, and you, uh, you had your markers. You know, you know, remember, you know, and you, of course, that's how spiritual were. You could open your Bible on any page or as a mark, you know. So I just use that. You know, so I got I got a marker. I just thought I had a black one. You know, and I just thought, I don't like that. No, no, that's got to go. Never going to do that. You know, so, you know, it's uh, it wasn't quite the idea. But that was the the commitment to the commitment then was just to, you know, try to discover our ways. And what what's happened over this last season of time is that we've become a little bit too cool for school, where the church is, you know, we're, we're afraid to offend, we're, we're, we're afraid to tell the truth, to be truthful. We are. And uh, we're, we're coming up with new terminologies, which is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're telling the whole message. But what happens, we've taken the message and we've cloaked it. So are you Christians or are you Buddhists? We're not quite sure. You know, are, are you believers or are you just a good club? You know, and, and this is what it comes down to. But we believe the Lord is demanding his church back. And so when that, being that we're 
the people who run the church, surprise, he's got something to say to us. He wants to bring about the release of the Spirit. Um, have you ever listened to people talk and they say, yeah, I, I'm not really, I'm a Christian, but eh. You know, I didn't really find, because you, you have the crazy people who, yeah, we prayed for it, God moved, and yes, well, we're just seeking the Lord where we're supposed to live, and you know, this, and, and other people look at them like, wow, what truck did you fall off of? You know, it's just like, there's just no understanding of that relationship or that communication with God, right? And so with that, you know, they're, they're missing the, the encounter of the Holy Spirit. They're missing that place of intimacy. So when we talk about being committed, of course, from the platform, when you say that, they think you mean, oh, they want us to come to that nighttime meeting, you know, and, and that's commitment. Or, oh, no, they're going to take another offering, which is not a bad idea. Maybe, okay, but, you know, it's a, let's pray about it. But it's just that area where, you know, it, there really isn't a, an interchange of relationship. It's all rhetoric, right? And so you don't blame them for not saying, uh, I tried Jesus and I really did, I didn't get anything out of it. But what the Lord wants to do is cause there to be a transformation in our walk with Him. And uh, in Ephesians um, chapter 5, verse 32, Paul's finishing up teaching on marriage, right? And at the end of the sentence, he says this, Listen, you know, I'm speaking of a great mystery, but when I speak of marriage, I speak of Christ in His church. And there are good marriages and there's bad marriages, right? There's passionate marriages, there's dead marriages, right? And in that, I think what the Lord's saying to us in this is that I want there to be a healthy, wealthy, living bride in the marriage. That we're not supposed to be worn out, you know, or not tolerating our existence, right? You know, the scripture says, I was glad when they said to come into the house of the Lord instead of, oh, we have to go to church again, right? And I think the Lord wants to bring that shift. So when we're speaking to the leaders, what that means, we, we, we believe in trickle-down economics. So if, as you prosper, okay, as you prosper and you're set free and you're seeing the goodness of God, when you're seeing the power of the Holy Spirit moving on you, well, it's going to come off your head, trickle off your beard onto the robe, you know, like it says what, what happened with Aaron. That blessing will come down and the people will see it. But if we're not living it, right, they're not going to live it. They're not going to see it. So there's a, there's a call to arms. There's a call to refocusing and bringing ourselves back to a place of seeing the manifest presence of Jesus in our presence all the time. That when people say church, it isn't predictable. You know what I mean by that? You know, how many of you know how church runs? You know, you know what time do you start? Five past in. What time do you really start? Mm, quarter past, 20 after, you know. And people know that. So what time do they come? 10.30, you know, right? You know, so by 10.30, you can say, okay, they're here now, right? And what time do you start? Yeah, right. So this is the point. And then the same thing. What does the first song mean? Well, finish your tea, take, your, you know, go, take another lap, go to the loo, come back. Because it really is just the come on inside, find your seat song, right? And, that, and that's kind of how that is, right? It really, it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, right. And then what, what happens in that is that, you know, it, it's it finally you get the people to come in. Now you're rolling down the hill a little bit. It's good. So now you're going to get serious. So you have your happy clappy song. You know, you have your dancing song. You have your raise your hand song. You know, then we get serious. So we have the crying song, you know, and right. Then, you know, the song that people dread, give us your money song, you know, and uh, right. Then we have the come forward song, right. You know, it's, it's just the truth, isn't it? And then the song they're all been waiting for. Thank God it's time to go home song, you know, and, 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 and that's it. And people have that preconceived idea of what church looks like, acts like, and is like. You know, our sermons are not, you know, our teachings that we get, and, and we're all guilty of this. We don't want it, you know, we don't want it, people are like, you know, trying to keep themselves awake during the service, right? We don't want it cold, but we're not in this point where, we, you know, like we see people dropping dead like Ananias and Sapphira because they lied. You know, it'd be fun once, maybe. But, you know, but overall... Just with the people we don't like, okay, in love. But, uh, you know, it, that, that whole thing there where um, we don't want it too hot, we don't want it too cold, we want it just right. We call that the Goldilocks Church. 
right? You guys know Goldilocks? Yeah. He's amazing theological lesson there. But in, in this is that, and that's what we do. We'll try the bells and smells. We're like, ah, it's too cold. We'll go over to the Pentecost. We'll, you know, they're swinging on chandeliers, casting out demons out of doorknobs. Anyway, that, <laughs> you know, that's a little bit too hot for me. So what do we do? We gravitate to where we feel comfortable, right? And that's different strokes for different folks. But we find ourselves in that point of mediocrity, that place where we're happy, right? Where we don't want too hot, too cold, just right. And just like Goldilocks, what happens when she found the bed that wasn't too hard and wasn't too soft, what did she do? She fell asleep in the light. And that's us. The church at this particular junction is that we're comfortable with our environment. Holy Spirit, we want you to come. Here's the agenda. You know, make sure you get done. And if you're going to do something, be neat. Don't leave a mess. We don't want to be answering questions for the next month, right? So, you know, behave yourself. And, and, and that's how we present it. But in truth, the Holy Spirit's coming and saying, you know what, I'd like to have my church back. You know, I'd like to show my power. And so there has to come a mindset difference. And the, the example I like to give in that is on the day of Pentecost, all right? Jesus is with the disciples 40 days before. And he's talking to them in Acts chapter 1. And he says, now listen, boys, here's what's going to happen. I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And I want you to wait there because the, power, the gift that you've heard me speak about, that my Father's promise is going to come upon you. And you're going to receive power. And you're going to become my witnesses, all right? So again, being good church guys, they had not a clue what Jesus was talking about, right? They thought, oh, good, we're going to get rid of the Romans. You know, I'm going to, get, I'm going to take Pilate's house. It's going to be awesome. You know, they're, they're just working out how this is all going to take place. And they say, is this it? And Jesus looks at him and he says, listen, all that stuff, and this is, this is for free, but you need to hear this. You know, don't waste your time on things that don't concern you, is basically what Jesus said. That's in the Father's hands. He'll sort it out when his time comes, right? But this is what's going to happen. You're going to be there and the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to become my witnesses, those who can testify of the truth throughout the world, to Judea, Samaria, to the other parts of the earth, right? And so that, that's the point, that that is what we're here to do. We're not here to split hairs over doctrinal issues. We're not here to set all these, you know, theological hierarchy to prove that we're the grandest tiger in all the land. Yes, you need to know the word. Yes, you need to know. It's pretty simple. Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen again. That's what Paul says. That's all I need to know. And that really is the truth, guys. And when we find ourselves majoring on minors, what that means to me when I see that happening is that the church has lost its first love and is trying to justify its existence through knowledge. And it's trying to lift itself up through man's wisdom versus depending on the Holy Spirit, right? And it's like, it, it's like how many of you want a love relationship in marriage that's based upon the book? You know, how, how many of you were given books before you got married to read? We almost didn't get married because of it. It scared Susie. You know, I'm not going through this, you know. You know and, and, you know, those are the books they should give you after 20 years that you can laugh about, right? But, you know, that's some of the things that take place. And, um, you know, you, you don't want that, oh, we are supposed to kiss, it's 8.30, pucker up, honey. Now, I know some of you want to kiss no matter what, so you'll take it. But the truth is, you want to kiss out of passion, not out of route, right? You want to have that embrace because you want to, not because you got to, right? And in the same way, in the Holy Spirit, that's how it needs to be. That we come to him because we want to. That we're walking in his power because we want to, not because we have to. And so we need to take a couple of steps back from that religious methodology and move ourselves back into the flow of passion. Okay? So Jesus says that to him, that you're going to receive power. Key word, power. Second word, witness. What is a witness? In a court of law, what does a witness do? Yeah. Okay. And if, if let's say let's say um, let's say John's on trial because that could happen, right? Okay. So John's in trial, and uh, the judge says to me, "Well, what do you know?" Well, you know, he was out in the garden, but he saw he broke in the house, went in, took what he wanted, got out, and he ran down the street. So how do you know that's true? I go, well, Amy told me. Would that hold up at a court of law? What is that called? Hearsay evidence. It doesn't hold up in a court of law 
and it does not hold up in the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? You will become my witnesses. You will be the ones who will be able to testify to what you know to be truth by what you've seen, by what you've heard, and what you've experienced firsthand. That's the power that I'm going to give you. That's the anointing that I'm going to release upon you. Everything's going to change when this anointing comes, right? So that's what Jesus said. And then he said, see you next time. And he, and he, and he ascended into heaven. Forty days later, the boys are in Jerusalem. They're hanging out. They're talking about things. And, and do, you, do you realize that the, the disciples at this point before that, you know, they weren't really predictable, were they? You know, one day it's, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, yeah, I'm going to build my church on that thought, right? And the next thing, I don't know the guy. I never hung out with him, right? So they were a little bit, you know, kind of like us, you know, a little bit flaky, right? They didn't know, you never knew what day they were going to get out of bed and what they were going to think. But in that, here they are at this kind of volatile time in their lives. They're in the upper room and suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit fills the room. And everything changes, right? It's also called, not just Pentecost, but it's called the birthing of the church. Because before that, they were just a band of old fishermen and, and, and you know, outlaws hanging out with Jesus, right? But now something happened. The release of the Holy Spirit came, and we don't even call them disciples anymore. In chapter 1, the disciples were with Jesus. In chapter 2, the apostles. So they went from students to teachers. They went from students to applicators. They went from those who were listening to those that were giving. True? Something happened. And what happened, those group of men, those that just followed around Jesus, this power came upon them that released them in such a way that they stood up and they began to testify of the goodness of God. And if you read it in chapter 2, it says this, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem men from all over, all over the known world. They were in Jerusalem at that time. And it says, As this noise began to come out, everyone heard them speaking in their own language. Now, that's a pretty good PA system, if you think about it. And everyone was hearing, and we know it was a lot of guys and girls, because here's the thing. If we, you know, we'll skip ahead, it says that 3,000 men were added to the kingdom that day. So if it's the normal demographics of church, probably half a million guys and girls got born again that day, because 3,000 men, there had to be much more women and children. So that's how that is, right? But they all heard them, and they were convicted of the heart. Peter gets up, and he begins to talk, because first of all, the, the people are saying, what is this? What is this noise we're hearing? Why, why is it that we can hear them praising God in our own language? They must, and then some made fun of them, said, they must be drunk, right? And uh, Peter gets up and says, no, 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 we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning. Come back at four, you know, but no, right now it's nine o'clock and it's, we're not drunk yet, all right? But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, who is this major guy speaking right now? It's Peter. And what's his profession? He is a fisherman. You know, he didn't go to, you know, Bible school. He didn't go to rabbi school. He was just a fisherman. But now, this amazing word that he picks up from a third-class prophet. I mean, better than us, but he's there. Joel, he isn't a major prophet. He's just this prophet. And he speaks out and he says, In the last days... This is what God says. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On my sons and my daughters, I will give them this gift. And they'll be, they will prophesy. And there'll be signs and wonders on the, in the earth. There'll be signs and wonders in the sky. Things are going to happen. I mean, he goes on and on and on. And then he says this, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the word. Behold the church. That's how God decided this is how we're going to do church. I'm going to blow everybody's mind. I'm going to do something they've never seen before. I'm going to release my power like they've never experienced it before. Remember Jesus said, the things I do, you shall do also. What they were, they were in intimacy with the Father, just like Jesus. They were doing the Father's will. He spoke the Father's word over them. And what happened in that, like I said, it was a great sermon, because at the end of the sermon, what happens? People cry out, 
what must we do to be saved? Now, that's, that's a good sermon. And any, any pastor, anybody who does any teaching, you know, when was the last time you saw that? Okay, yeah, and me too. And, 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 and you know, it, like, what do we do? You know, okay, now we're just going to, you know, play the sad music, you know, you know, and, you know, lower the lights, play that song, it's good. You know, and, and then we'll say, come forward, please come forward. Please come. Well, we'll you know, we'll sing it ten times. You know, just you know, one more time, and then we'll we'll, we'll give you a bike if you just come up here. You know, what, you know, what, what, whatever it happens, you know, please meet Jesus today, and and that's what we do to get people to come in because our message is missing something of content. True, and the message, the the content it's missing, is that we've presented our package of methodology, but we've left out the power. We've left out the essence of the Holy Spirit. And yet, we talk about church. We, we, we want to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, this is how I'm going to build my church. You're going to let go, and things are going to change. I'm going to change your title. I'm going to change your definition. I'm going to change how life goes. I'm going to, you know, to just wipe all that other stuff off the map. Behold the hand of God. And these people cried out, they accepted the Lord. It says he went on and convinced them of the other words, but 3,000 men were born again that day. An amazing opportunity. You know, have you ever noticed with an, uh, in the next chapter, it says, if we'll come back to two, but it says, and the next day, Peter and John were on the way to prayer. You know, they were looking for workers for the nursery, you know, and the, you know, for the crash at that point. Because can you imagine going from 120 people to 3,000 men the next day? And again, all add in the women and children. How many people? We're in there next time when they met in Solomon's colonnade and began to worship. You know, who took care of the kids, right? I mean, just a radical difference. I love what it says after that, too, because there was a transformation. And this is really the point. I know you're wondering what we're talking about is, is, is this, is that it says day by day, everyone was filled with a sense of awe. And that wasn't like, oh, that's cute. It was like, whoa, this is amazing what's going on. Everyone was filled with a sense of awe because the apostles, again, not disciples, the apostles were ministering to the people, walking among the people, and many signs and miraculous works were being done by them. And they were breaking bread house to house, enjoying the fellowship and the favor of all the people. There's a miracle, all right? They're enjoying the favor of all the people. And then it says, and the Lord, it said this, that first, the people brought their land, their jewels, their money, and whatever possession they had, and they laid it at the apostles' feet so that if there was any need, it was met. Suddenly, social justice comes into the picture, right? And, 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 and do you see the change in the church? Before, it was like, hey, we can't afford, don't break that oil. Remember that? You know, don't break that perfume. That could be, suddenly, is like, whatever we've got, let's spend it on the kingdom. That's a true sign of revival, by the way, guys is when people finally say, this isn't about me. This isn't about me surviving. This is about self-preservation. I want to spend myself on the kingdom of God. And that's what happened. And there was great rejoicing because the Lord added to their numbers daily. Not monthly, not annual. Every, you know, we're going to bring in a, put up a big tent, bring in a revivalist. Daily, those that were saved. Behold the church. And this is the place of release that God wants to bring among us. And what happens, there needs to be this metamorphosis in each and every one of our lives that we go from self-preserving, self-protecting, opinionated believers to selling out. Right? It's a love relationship that creates a passion that burns. How many of you, before you got married, had a list, you know, of... These are the criteria of the woman or the man I want to marry, right? You remember that? Yeah. Then you met the one your heart loves. You know, I don't want this list. I want her. You know, and, and, and everything changed, right? Well, when you fall in love with Jesus. I wasn't on your list. You were. <laughs> you know, when, when you, when you, uh, you were, honey, really. No, no but uh, when you, when you have, well, let's talk about it. No, but the, the whole, um, the whole situation of mind over heart. That's what happens to us. And we begin to approach Jesus in this matter of fact instead of matter of heart. Now, I'm not saying don't think, but I'm saying let the heart lead the way.
you know, like sometimes people say, how can you do that? And how can you afford this? And how can you, how could you travel? And, I, and you know, we live on what we get out of the offering. Again, I'm just going to throw that out there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, this, this is it. All right. And so I, we always tell people this. If we only did what we could afford, we would do nothing. Do you understand that? If the disciples would have said, listen, the Romans are still looking for us. The Sadducees are trying to kill us. You know, you know, keep your mouth shut and put out that fire on your head. You know, I mean, that would have been the logical answer, don't you think? Totally. You know, but what happened, their passion overtook them. And because of that, they could not, in fact, we know later, chapter 4, it says, you know, they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and what do they say? We cannot stop talking about what we've seen, heard, and experienced in our life. True? The prophecy of Jesus, and you shall receive power to be my witnesses. We cannot stop talking about. So what that means to me is that the church needs to become a little less predictable. It's okay to have a building. Awesome. The Lord told you about this several years ago, that it was going to come. Here you are. Thank you, Jesus. Right? But what's it going to be? A monument to man or a place where people say, go there. If you're sick, you should go there. They pray for us. They believe in healing. You know what? You're, you're having problems in your family. You should go there. They believe in healing and restoration of family. What? You're having mental problems? So are they. You should go there. You know, birds of a feather. It's awesome. You know, and, and you know, whatever. You'll, you'll find that whatever it is that your reputation is changed, that the community knows you as the church, not as the organization church, but the organism of church. Does that make sense? And I believe the Lord would cause there to be an awakening and that we become an open door. We were telling on the way over that the Lord spoke to us just a few months ago. We were, we were just, um, I don't know, I was just frustrated with the status quo and, and just sick and tired of people being sick and tired. I said, Lord, what's happening? And, you know, it's, it's just tell the truth. You know, just tell the truth. And so what we felt the Lord was saying in that is to offer an opportunity for people to meet the Lord. We've seen so many people come to Jesus. That's, it's amazing. We just had to ask them, do you want to know the Lord? Yeah, I'd like to know. Well, that's a good idea. We should have church and do this. You know, and, and, and that's what was taking place. Is people, Sorry, Lord. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Kind of missed that one. <laughs> you know, like, you know, right, right. We all got dressed up in our uniforms and watched TV. You know, and it, it's like, no, it's time to get up and take the land. So, it is a harvest time. I'm, I'm going to let Shizzy share that a little bit, but that, just a little bit, honey, just but a short time. But, uh, you know, this, the, whole, the, whole, <laughs> the whole area of seeing the purposes of God fulfilled, it's time that the church takes that opportunity and moves forward with it. Yeah? Um, Paul? Is that your name, Paul? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said sorry to show um, <laughs> You're going to have a lot of confidence in what I say now. I'm talking to the shelf. Um, you know, you shared something that I thought was so, you know, you know when you hear things that you know, but then all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah. You know, when you said that thing about, you know, in that moment, and I've often preached on this moment, when Jesus says to the disciples, it is better that I go away. To me, when I put myself in that moment, in that time in history, and I think about me being in the physical presence of Jesus and what that must have been like, because I'm sure that you know, obviously he radiated love and passion so much so that people literally dropped their lives to be with him. And then he looks at them and says, I'm leaving and it's better. You, you would have argued to your death about that. And you said, you know, they didn't understand it at that moment, but we do. And that's the point is that we should understand it now, what it meant for Christ to ascend and then to bring his Holy Spirit to inhabit us to, you know, to that point where it's not that you and I have to go to the Vatican and line up to see Jesus and maybe get a chance to see him once every five years, but that actually 
He lives and resides within me. And there's that constant communication. I heard a girl at um, Susie King, a friend of mine, was just speaking at uh, HTB last week. And she was talking about the intimacy of God. And she said, God is as close as your breath right now. And she said, breathe in. He's there. He's present. Colossians 1.28 says this. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It assures you that you will share in all of his glory. So this hope, this life, you know, being in this room, it's like an upper room experience. You know, we often talk about how Acts didn't really have a finality to it. It was just this weird, like, and then Paul got an apartment. Okay. And then, and then us. And this is our watch. And we are the continuation of this truth. And we, more than anybody, should know and understand that in this watch, that is our watch now, to pass on this great truth and this great hope to all people, we should be fully, you know, like Tom's talking about, we should be moved by passion. Not weariness, not, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, listen, 43 years of marriage, you know, most of them have been pretty good, you know, but not all of them. There's been times where it's like, oh, just going through the motions and I've, well, we can't divorce because, you know, the Bible's not, God's not into it apparently. And, you know, and you just trudge on. But I don't think that makes the heart of the Lord happy. And it didn't make me happy when it was happening and it didn't make him happy. And we had to find a remedy to that. We had to remember our first love. And I think it's often, you know, I I love in Revelation when um, the Lord is speaking to the church of Ephesus, I think, and I think it was in chapter 3. And he says, listen, he gives a list about all the things he loves about him. Like, you know, I love how the Lord does this, you know, okay, I'm going to soften the blow and I'm going to say all the nice things about you. (laughs) You know, I love that you hate sin. I love that you've hung in there, you know, but I got a problem with you. You forgot your first love. And see, that's always going to be the problem in a physical marriage, and it's always going to be your problem in your walk with the Lord. Because if you forget the passion of your heart and why we do what we do, if we lose the plot, especially those of us that are leaders or in ministry, when we lose the plot, this gets very exhausting and very, um, yeah, you just want to throw in the rug, you know. Towel. <laughs> I'm tired. This is our fourth meeting today to throw something in, you know. And anyways, I, w- I was thinking about that and I thought, man, may we all remember. Thank you, Lord, that you ascended and that you came back and that if you're in this room, we were sp- just a little while ago, everybody was singing. And I noticed there was quite a few of you that are very free in your tongue. And there was a beautiful sound. And I was sitting here thinking, this is really lovely. We don't, not all churches we go to um, speak in tongues. Not all churches are filled with the Spirit. And I thought, how beautiful to be in this room. And it was such an easy flow and an easy conversation that was going on with you and the Lord as we, we just sang to the Lord. And then I suddenly realized, well, maybe not all of you are in that spot. So I want to implore you now. For the task that's at hand, if you are not released yet or have not come to terms with the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, then it's time now. Um, People say, you know, do I have to? And I'm like, no, but why in the world would you not want to? You don't have to. You, get is, to. you know, you get to. Everything the Lord has for you, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in heaven. Isn't that what the scripture says? So every gift the Lord has, every opportunity to increase my walk with him, I absolutely want to have. You need to pursue that. And maybe later on we'll have a moment where we can pray that. There was a scripture, and I shared it with the women. Um, I tried to share it with the women on Saturday. And it somehow, it wasn't landing. Like a lot of things, like everything else was fabulous, right? It was fun. (laughs) But, you know, and I thought, huh, I don't think that was, I'm not sure that scripture was for them. And when I came in tonight, I said, no, it's for you guys. And I didn't share it all day today. And there's this passage in Isaiah 28, 6. And it says, and it's at that moment where Isaiah is prophesying and he's uh, prophesying, 
you know, I mean, all this horrible stuff over the drunkards of, of um, Samaria and, and all these horrible things that have happened. But then he has this moment where he prophesies over what will happen. And he says, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And I remember the first time I heard that, in my mind, what I envisioned, yes, when I pray and when I seek the face of God, and as I go forward in Christ, I am turning back the battle at the gate. You know, and that makes sense. And we've often preached on Ezra, where it talks about when they began their journey, and they didn't want to ask the king for help, Ezra 8. And they said, you know, we don't want to ask the king. We know there's going to be ambushes on our journey, but we can't ask the king for help because we've already boasted that our God is strong enough to save us. So instead, they set their hearts to prayer and fasting. And as they set out on the journey, they literally made the entire journey, got there, and had not lost a penny you can't get from here to church without leaving your sweater behind or your phone on the top of the car, you know. And these people made this long, treacherous journey where there were ambushes and thieves along the way, and God answered their prayer. So in my mind, I'm thinking, that's what we do. We pray for us, for our little ones, and for our possessions. That's what it said in Ezra 8. And we prepare so that we can turn the battle away before it even gets to us. But then I started studying the scripture because I know, you know, people get ticked off. You get with the theologians and they're like, that's out of context. So I began to study the passage and that's not what it meant. The passage meant this to them who not only drive their enemies from their land, but pursue them, pursue their enemy into and besiege them in their own cities. So it's not us stopping, like, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Gates don't attack you, you know. We attack them. And it's not us building this fortress to hide from the enemy and from the treacheries in this world, but rather that we take the land, we take the kingdom, we push back the enemy in this community right to his very own gates. I will turn back the enemy at his very own gates. We go after him. We are in hot pursuit and we are not afraid and we are, do not tremble and we do not fall back. I was telling the lady, somebody, you know, we travel a lot and people forget what time zone we're in. Often our, our adult children don't bother to check and three in the morning, hey mom, what are you doing? I'm sleeping. You do not call me. But a girl wrote me the other night and she's like, you know, three in the morning, I, I look at my text and it's like, what do you do when you just want to quit? I'm like, you don't quit. Okay. Can I be clear on that? Are you crazy? You're going to quit God? No, that's the last person you want to quit. You're going to quit serving him? That's the only thing worthy in your life and in my life is our, our devotion to a living God. And if you think, well, you know, that's not true. No, it is true. You are not worthy. I am not worthy. It is by the blood of Christ that he has cleansed us of all unrighteousness. And now our prayers are effective because the prayers of a righteous man or woman are effective. They have energy to our prayers have energy to them. They, they cause things to happen. Right now, your body, are you guys all in the 30-day prayer thing too? Are you doing Okay. Listen, guys, prepare yourself. Your prayers are changing things in the heavenlies. People are going to come to Christ. People's lives are going to be changed. We don't quit now. We rise up, not with our own strength, because my gosh, Listen, honestly, we could not, we are not spring chickens anymore. We're traveling around the world. We're right, you know, four meetings in a day. It's not like we're 20 anymore, but it's the strength of the Lord that empowers us. You know, yeah, we're going to collapse tonight, believe me, but it's still, it's that passion that drives us, that motivates us. We constantly have to remind each other not to lose the plot. Lord, I love you. I love how you transform people's lives. 
I love how, um, and, and I've heard stories from every one of the churches we've been with today. I've heard amazing stories in the car on the way here of people's lives, people who sat in darkness in the shadow of death and found light in your churches in, by your people from you. You know, the funny thing is, the last couple of years, what we were encountering was, you know, on planes, a lot of times, if we get separated, which we should probably never sit by each other. Number one, he puts on his earphones, and he doesn't talk to me anyways. The minute we get on the plane, he's like, and I'll say something, he'll be like, like he can't lift his, ugh. So it's fine. I love him. First world problem. <laughs> First world problem. And, but, you know, every time we don't sit together, what happens for us, we are doomed to witness, even if we don't feel like it. And I don't always feel like it. I get on a plane after a long trip. I, want, I just want to relax. I want a glass of wine. I want to read my Bible. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, engage with somebody. But what happens is, you know, small talk on the plane. So they don't say, where are you going? Because we're on the same plane and we're going to the same destination. <laughs> but they'll say, oh, are you going on holiday? Well, we're never going on holiday. If we're going to take a holiday, we stay in our beautiful, sunny California home <laughs> and we take a holiday. But so it's always, and then if I, <laughs> it's terrible, but admit it. We don't always all want to share. If I'm just tired, I'll be, no, 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 it's just a work trip. And then, of course, what's the next question? Well, what do you do for work? And there's nothing I can do to get out of it. I don't have any other profession. Um, Winky Prattney once told us that when he's on planes and people ask that, anybody know Winky Prattney? He's a great man of God. And um, he would say, I'm an intergalactic communications expert. <laughs> Brilliant. But that just makes more questions <laughs> to me. You know, but the minute you say minister, people are like, what does that even mean? You know, they know priest, rabbi, uh, pastor, but, you know, and so then you, you, you're off to the races and you're sharing. But I found that every time that happened, and I think maybe in my age and in the amount of years that we've been in ministry, I just don't mess around anymore. I'm not, I'm, you know what, let me tell you. <laughs> There's a God, and he's amazing, and he's real, and he's changed my life. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I, I don't know what else to tell you. But he's the only God that came back to get us, and I serve him, and I love him, and I can't even believe there's anybody in the world that wouldn't want this God every time these people come to Christ because I think it's just plain talk. I think it's just honesty. I think it's just the passion of your own part. I think people are dying for truth. I think they're looking for a light in darkness. This world is dark, horrible. I mean, gosh, in America, you watch our news. Oh, my word, we're, we're a hot mess, you know? And, you know, people are desperate. They sit just as Zechariah said as he prophesied over his son John. He said, you are going to bring light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. But that is our job now. And so we found even going to beaches, you know, we went down to share one day, like we were two hippies from the seventies. And, and that was just two years ago. We're like, let's go down and share. Like we don't do this anymore, but you know, something had happened that it, you know, somebody had died, a friend of Tom's <clears throat> on the beach and people seemed to have questions. We thought, well, we'll just go down there and see if we can answer questions. And people came to Jesus and people had more questions. And then we started thinking, oh my gosh, there is a dying world that is waiting for this truth. And I felt like for us, you know, we spend, we fish in swimming pools. We spend most of our time with people like you that know Jesus, encouraging you, speaking to you. For a time, there was this mad thirst for prophetic words. Prophetic words are beautiful and they're wonderful. But there's got to be a point where you've got to stop clamoring. Do me next. What, what are you going to say over me, Lord? The word is in your heart and it's in your mouth that you should do it. You don't need a prophetic word to tell you what you know what to do. You know it's in your heart. This is, I'm sorry if I'm being mean. I'm tired. But, you know, I mean, it's that point where it's like, yes, there are those glorious moments where the Lord will come. What's your name again? Sarah. Sarah, you know when I said that thing about he's mounting the horse? Yeah. Yeah, that was a prophetic word. You know, so occasionally you do got to give one, you know, that you just need to rest in that and paint and what was the other thing you did? Baking. Bake. I'll come over for that one. <laughs> and teach those babies and don't you, yeah, 
what is something's happening something is moving mm -hmm. in the in the prophetic world for you god is on the move yeah. so relax okay so yes there are the i'll be done in a minute there are those <laughs> moments where um yes the prophetic word comes but i think at some point we need to stop stroking each other we need to stop coddling one another um not not stop being compassionate and loving and preferring one another but we need to encourage one another to good works. We need to push one another. Listen, you can do it. Rise up. It's, I know that this has been a long slog for you all waiting for this church to happen. We drove up and we got really excited because, you know, we're from, you know, I've been, I got born again at 15. I never um, went to church as a child. So when I came to Jesus, the whole thing was a new experience for me. God and Jesus. But I got born again into a charismatic world where every church I've ever been in has been in a warehouse or a restaurant or a, a school. or, And then we drove and we're like, oh, it's a real church building. <laughs> this is so exciting. And we were saying to, to um Andy and Lynn, how when our kids were little, they went to school at a Baptist school, and they came back one day, and our daughter said, why can't we have pews? I'm like, what? <laughs> Nobody wants pews. But, you know, so we're excited for you, and I know it's been a long slog, but when we, if you invite us back next year, when we see you next, you will be well into this place, and life will be happening, and you won't even remember this time. You won't remember the frustration. You won't remember the weariness, thing. the childbirth. Mm -hmm. It's like women, you, know, you guys don't know. It's a crazy thing. But I, that moment, like when I was having my daughter 40 years our ago, daughter. our daughter, and, um, <laughs> and as I was in the height of labor transition, I grabbed Tom by the neck, pulled him down to my face, and I said, never again. Never again. And two years later, when I said, I think it's time for us to have another child, he said, oh, no. <laughs> I promise you. I, and I, I had no remembrance. It's like, no, I'm fine. No, it was, it was that bad. You know, I totally forgot. I really forgot. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be like that. You're going to be living this life. But you guys, now's the time to gear up and to get ready because the baby's coming. Yeah. And it's going to be glorious, and you're going to move forward. But don't lose the plot. Yeah. Fall passionately in love with your God so that when you deal with the, the infants and the babies that will pour into this place, the people that have been sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, you will share with them from the depths of your being. Find Jesus. Love God. Are you crazy? You need him. You know, when you can, you can say that to somebody when it's real in you. You can't say that to somebody when it's not real in you because they know you're lying. Yeah. And then it's just offensive. Okay, now you can carry on. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think that just in conclusion of this, you just to hear this, you know, what, what Susie's saying is so right. And what you, here's the prophetic word. You need to remember what the Lord spoke to you on a better day. You need to remember the prophecies you've got over your life, the promises about why you're even here, why you even exist as a congregation. You're not here just because, well, Seaford's nice. And, you know, people didn't want to drive that far. You know, no. You're here to be the light in the midst of the darkness. Some of you, the enemy's come and he's, and he's tried to steal your, your, your energy, your life. And things have come to, to choke you out, to, to frustrate you. It's like, oh, I cannot do another thing. You know, I don't need any more problems. You know, we were kidding earlier. It's like, if we're the winners, I hate to see the loser, you know. And, and that's how we feel sometimes. But that's just the enemy coming to steal, to kill, and destroy, and to take away who you are and what you are to those people in need. Rise up. Yes. Come on, church. We can do better than this. We can represent Jesus just like he chose to represent himself. You see me, you see the Father, he said. The things I do, you're going to do. How did he do it? Come with the power of your spirit. And it changed the face of the world. It birthed church. I, I love church, but I want her to be a healthy bride. Yes. 
you know, you don't want her come hobbling down in a wheelchair, you know, or, you know, one arm missing, you know, teeth out, you know, whatever, you know, you want someone, you know, it's a spotless bride. Yeah. Well, that's us. Clean it up. Because the Lord wants to do great and marvelous things in your midst. Like Susie was saying, you know, listen, we were telling uh, Graham and, and, and Belinda the same thing. All right, you, you've, you've, you've kicked the ball into play now. Score. You've, you've been praying. You've been asking God. Do you, do you not think for one moment that your prayers are being heard? You know, the scripture says, he says, my word is like the rain. It says it will come, it will water the earth, but it will not return to me until it's accomplished its purpose. You need to understand that the word that you've been praying, the things you've been asking God to do, it will not return until it's accomplished. What have you been praying for? Lord, save our area. Lord, take our region. Lord, bring in the loss. Oh, Lord, give us that. Lord, take over that business. You know, right? All these things you've been praying for. You're snared by the words of your lips. When you vow, vow before the Lord, be not slothful, obey it, for he will really require it of you. So you might as well go to work and enjoy it and get all there is to get. Right? A commitment to the commitment. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring release. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Release within us, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash over us even right now, Lord. Lord, release your gifts. Release your power. Heal our bodies. Heal our minds. Heal our hearts. Lord, I come against all the frustration. I come against all the, just that, that rejection that the enemy has piled on. Those fear of, of, of the future, fear of man, accusations, all the stuff that would come down the pike. In the name of Jesus, we stand against it. And we, like Susie said, Lord, we're not going to stop at our gate. We're going right. to chase it out. That's right. We're going to drive this That's into right. their territory. Right. You will not come by our doorway. This will be known as a place of refuge. This will be known as a safe place, a radical place, an answer place. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you release the prophets in the house. You release the evangelists in the house, the teachers, the pastors, the prophets and the apostles, Father. Bring about the fivefold in this place. Let the manifest presence of Jesus fill this place. Lord, I pray that when people walk in, they won't even understand what they sense and they feel. They'll just, again, call out to you and be born again, Lord. And Lord, that we will be a receiving room where lots of babies are born. Come, Holy Spirit. Show your power. Come and fill us up. Fill us up. And then pour us out. In Jesus' name.